Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, I want to take just a few moments and talk to you about some of the ways the enemy works. Really, I'm going to just have time to talk to you about one of the ways the enemy works. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said, speaking of Satan, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan wants to ruin God's work in you so that it will minimize God's work through you. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, after all, we don't want to unwittingly give Satan an opening for yet more mischief. We're not oblivious to his sly ways. He's talking specifically about unforgiveness, but there's a lot of ways the enemy likes to work to minimize God's work in us. In Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4, we have recorded for us the temptation of Jesus as Jesus encounters Satan in the wilderness. It was a season of temptation, which reminds us that there are seasons to the enemy's work. I, while it could be true that somebody's tempted every day, by and large, the enemy comes at certain times when he thinks we're vulnerable, when he thinks he has an opportunity for success. In fact, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, after the temptation of Jesus, it says, then Satan left him and waited for an opportune time to tempt him again. There's times of opportunity. There's times when the enemy sees an opportunity to tempt us or to work on us or to do his work to thwart God's work in us. And one of the ways that he chooses to do that or tries to do that is the enemy wants to challenge what God has spoken to you. Oh, really? Were you really saved? How do you know? You know, so you get saved, you give your heart to Christ, you feel the presence of the Lord, but now three days later, it's not quite the same. And all of a sudden, the enemy is like they're talking to you. Did did something really happen, or was that just you? Maybe it was just the room. Maybe it was just the crowd. Maybe it was just the moment. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the enemy comes a few days later, and he's like, doesn't sound like a language to me. I think you're just making up words. I don't, you know, I don't think anything happened there. It's just a lot of gibberish. I mean, you know, and what he tries to do is try to get you from being in a place where you're talking to God and your spirit's praying and the spirit's praying through you to a place where you're analyzing what you're saying. Trying to stop the work of God in you. God can speak to you through the word of God. He can give you a word or he can give you a, a prophetic word. Somebody can, can say, I have a word of prophecy for you. And we're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. Or he may, he may give you a scripture and then the enemy comes and challenges that. I remember when we were in Kansas City pioneering the church there in, 
1989, we moved to Overland Park, Kansas, and we started a church, and it was going to be what the Assemblies of God called the Decade of Harvest. The 90s were going to be a Decade of Harvest, and, and even though it was 1989, they said, you're kind of one of the first Decade of Harvest churches, and so we moved there to Kansas City, and, and uh, you know, we gave it all we had. We called 20,000 people, and out of our 20,000 people, uh, we got three people uh, who agreed to come to church. And so there were eight people in our church. There were five Lindels and the three other people that 20,000 calls yielded. So that fall, you know, I, I just thought, man, I'd, you know, got to do something, got to get the word out. So I invited all of our neighbors on our street. And then I proceeded to knock on 900 doors that winter. And it was a bitterly cold winter, uh, one of the coldest winters on record in Kansas City. And people just look at me like, like I was a freak. I mean, it was like, what in the world are you doing out there in the cold, but I was, I was inviting people, and out of my 900 uh, knocks on doors, I didn't get anybody to come to church. Nobody was coming. So we came down to um, Springfield, and there was a, a uh, Decade of Harvest Church Planters Conference at Central Bible College. So I'm there, and I'm listening to all these glorious stories of these church planters, and you know, it's just one after another, and, and you know, I got, I got eight people, and, and uh, Five of them are Lindels. They can't leave. And so they're too little to leave. They're four and three and two, you know, so they're stuck. Um, but I'm listening to these stories. And I mean, just one after another is telling how God is working. And we've been praying. We've been seeking God. And it was, uh, you know, you would like to have had one person get up and say how hard it was because misery loves company. But there was nobody doing that. So and by noon, I mean, I've had, I've had, you know, an evening and now morning of all these glorious testimonies. And so I went on to second floor of Horton, which is the floor I, I lived on at CBC and, and I went in the prayer chapel because I'd met God there a number of times. And so I'm just in there seeking the Lord and just saying, God, we really got to have your help. And so that moment that the Lord speaks to my heart and I wrote it down and he said, you don't need to be discouraged in two years, you'll be in that chapel telling your story. Now, that's very specific. I was like, wow, that's really amazing. The Lord gave me a word to encourage me. But you know what happened? By the time we got to Palm Sunday, we had grown to 13 people. And uh, by the time we got to the next January, we'd grown to 18 people, but 10 of them were moving. So I was back where I started. Three people plus the Lindels. And I forgot about the word. Because really, I allowed the enemy to steal it from my heart. What God had given to encourage me, I'd allowed the enemy to take away from me. You say, well, what happened? Two years, two years later, I was at James River. The church had exploded. And I was in CBC's chapel talking about what God had done in the church I was pastoring. You see, what the enemy wants to do is the enemy wants to steal God's word from you. And God, God is speaking to you. We're in a season where God is moving, so God is speaking. 300 times the, the Bible says, and the Lord said. God says a lot of things. He's speaking to you about things he's doing in you. He's speaking to you about things he wants to do through you. He's speaking to you about 
about people he wants you to pray for, people he wants to heal. And the enemy wants to challenge those words that God gives to you. And I wish I would have understood this principle. But you see it in the life of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. It's not saying the Spirit of God was a dove. It's, It's with the gentleness, with the way a dove would move. The Spirit of God is coming down on him and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Wow, what a word from God, huh? This is my son. I love him, and I'm well pleased with him. Then we read in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1, very next verse. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He was led by the Spirit. Mark says the Spirit drove him. So it's like the Spirit of God is compelling him, sending him out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then we read this, and the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, I know that, I know that 40 days ago you heard that word, you're the son of God, I love you and I'm well pleased with you, but Jesus, you got to look at your situation and say, does that match what you heard? I mean, Really? He loves you, and he leaves you in the desert? He loves you, and you're starving? He's pleased with you, and you've been battling wild animals for 40 days? That's what Mark's gospel tells us. Really? Are you sure that you heard right? Are you sure that was really God? Because honestly, when... I look at your life, Jesus, it doesn't look much like you're God. And it doesn't look like he loves you, and it certainly doesn't look like he's pleased with you. You see, Satan is challenging God's word, God's voice. God has spoken, and now Satan's challenging it. I mean, it's as old as Genesis 3. The serpent says to Eve, Did God really say, I mean, let's get this straight. Really? Are you sure he said that? Causing you to doubt, causing you to wonder, causing you to question, causing you to evaluate what you see physically with what God has spoken to you spiritually. And the enemy loves to do that. Mark chapter 4 and verse 15, another example of this. Some people, this is the parable of the of the sower and the seed and the soils. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes away the word that was sown in them. Listen, that's what the enemy wants to do. God's going to speak to you. Satan wants to take it away. He wants you to question it. He wants you to doubt it. He wants you to think it was just you telling you yourself what you wanted to hear. Why? Because he wants to steal hope from you. He wants to steal purpose from you. He wants to steal that that encouragement that could be yours if you hung on to the word of God. Watch this. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. 
when trouble or persecution comes because of the word. Listen, what this is telling us is whenever God gives a word to us, the enemy's going to challenge it. So God's going to give you a word and he's going to encourage you that somebody's going to be healed or that he's going to use you in healing and then you're going to pray for something and nothing happens. You got a choice. Are you going to, at that point when the enemy is challenging the word spoken to your heart, are you going to believe him or are you going to believe God? Are you going to, are you going to say, well, I must have heard wrong because I thought God was going to use me to pray for people and they'd be healed. But that's not happening. So it must not be true. Or are you going to say, no, you know what? I know what I heard and I know it was from God and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to walk according to it and I'm going to rest in that and I'm not going to stop praying for people because I know the more people I pray for, for healing, the more people are going to be healed. You see, the enemy wants to challenge that. We have to embrace it. I mean, honestly, when God heals you, there are some of you, and God touches you, he heals you, but what you do in stewarding that is critical. Because the enemy will challenge it. I was just 18 years old when I learned that lesson. I'd, I'd, I'd been saved about a year. I was working uh, construction with the union, a summer job. It was great money. It was paying three times, or probably four times minimum wage at that time. And I'd gotten hurt playing softball, and I went to work the next day. It was on a Friday, and I could not move. I, I, I probably tore my rotator cuff. I could not raise my arm. I couldn't move my arm. I could only do like this and only with a lot of pain. And I showed up at work, and the foreman told me, if you're not better by Monday, you're out. So I went to church that Sunday and there happened to be an evangelist and he was preaching on healing and he had this, this board and was showing the stripes and by his stripes were healed and I went forward and he prayed for me and I could feel, I could feel something hot in my shoulder and all of a sudden I could move my arm and I was, I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> then he said this to me. He said, young man, I want to just say something to you. The enemy will challenge every work of God in your life, and he'll challenge this healing, and here's the way that, that looks in your life. You're going to go home, and when you go to lift something, all of a sudden you're going to feel pain, and if you feel pain, rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and thank God that he's healed you, and, and you'll have your healing. So that, that afternoon, I go home, and, and I'm reaching for a gallon of milk, and as I do, all of a sudden, pain shoots up my arm. And I put it down, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I am healed. Because that, that's what he told me to say. You know, when you're young, you don't, you know, you just do what people tell you. you know I mean, because you, you don't have the experience that causes you to be filled with doubt. I said, well, he said to do that. He said it would happen, so here we go. In the name of Jesus, I know I'm healed. I picked up the gallon of milk. I was fine. I'm just telling you, the enemy wants to challenge God's work and his word in your life. Did God really do that? Did God really say that? Did that really happen? Is this experience real? Is that experience real? He loves to steal 
God's work and God's word from you. I think of 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 18. It's a very interesting verse. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. It's very interesting. Paul is saying to Timothy, listen, there were some prophetic words spoken over you. Timothy, have you forgotten them? Because if he forgets them, it's going to lessen his ability. It's going to weaken him in fighting the good fight. Has somebody spoken a word over you? Has somebody given you a word from the Lord regarding what God wants to do in your life? Musicians, you can come at this time. We're going to pray in just a moment. Do you remember that word? Did you write that word down? I become very convicted when I came across this and really I've read my Bible how many times, but I never really noticed the connection between the prophecies made and the value that they have in helping you fight the good fight. And I said, from this point on, I'm going to go back. I know some of the words that have been spoken over me, but there have been words that have come to me since. Can I just say something to you? You will attract in life what you value. If you value the word of God, you'll receive the word of God. If you value, if you value the prophetic words. So I, I keep them so that I can read them because when I read them, they help me fight the good fight. Listen, what has God spoken to you? What, what Bible verse did God give you in your reading, it leapt off the page. You knew it was for you. What have you done with that? What has God spoken to your heart? Could have been a long time ago. Could have been a week ago. What, what has God spoken to you and what are you doing with it? How have you valued it? Some of you, I believe God is speaking to you about it's a season where, where we're in a we're in a unique season. If God is doing something supernatural in the church, he's doing something supernatural in the lives of everybody in this room. And so God is talking to you. He's speaking to you. And maybe it was a long time ago, or maybe it was recently, but what have you done with that? Have you let the enemy talk you out of it? Have you let the enemy say, well, who do you think you are? Why would God ever say that to you? How could God ever? Listen, think about who you are. Think about what you've done. Think about this and this and this. And you're not that person. And you're not, oh, if you've spoken over that person, well, then we can all understand it. But you're not them. Or maybe God has given you a promise of healing. Maybe you've not been healed yet, but he's promised you. But it hadn't happened yet. And so now all of a sudden you're in a quandary like, well, maybe did I, did I hear from God? Did I not? See, the enemy wants to steal God's word from you. But God's word is true and he is faithful. He's the God who can tell you something and you can count on it. It will happen. He's the God who could tell a guy pastoring eight people, listen, in two years you'll be telling your story. Don't worry about it. I still look back on that. can't believe he did that. I'm just telling you, God is speaking, and he has spoken. And some of you just simply let the enemy 
steal it. But God wants to reaffirm his word to you tonight. He wants to work in your heart tonight. He wants to rekindle what was spoken over you, spoken to you, what he's doing in you. Some of you, God has taken you on this journey in the fast. You were, you were, it ignited something in you, but now reality has caused you to doubt God's faithfulness and God's ability and God's willingness to do what he said he would do. Listen, he is faithful. He will do it.